Welcome to Dollars and Cents with Friedman Financial. During today's program, your host, Mark Friedman, may discuss specific financial planning and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations. Investing involves risk, including loss of principal. Always consult a certified financial planning professional, qualified attorney, or tax advisor prior to investing to determine what is appropriate for you. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA and SIPC. And now here's the host of Dollars and Cents, Mark Friedman of Friedman Financial. If you don't wanna see me, did a full one, about the way I was did the heartbreak change me Maybe. welcome back to another episode of dollars and cents with Friedman financial my name is Mark Friedman and I'm joined by my co-host Marion Gilman how are you today Marion I'm great how are you Mark I'm doing just fine we've got just a couple weeks away or even less than that a week before a week and uh, a half. Yeah. before Uncle Sam's looking for your tax money so we <laughs> thought we'd spend some time uh, talking about taxes talking about some expectations and managing some of your expectations. Because one of the things that we try to do here in do- on Dollars and Cents is provide financial advice in a language you can understand. Uh, but besides the tax stuff, Marion, there's been other things that have been going on or not as um, highlighted in the news headlines as it has been over the past few weeks, is it? Right. So it seems like, you know, all that activity around a bank crisis and all banks were going to fail and you had to get your money out, um, that has very much calmed down. The Federal Reserve stepped in pretty quickly. I'm sorry, the Treasury stepped in pretty quickly um, to help the banks that were failing. Um, And it seems as if people's People have gotten a lot calmer about this. They're not quite as excited. They don't, they're not quite as worried. Would you say the media overblowed, flew this thing? Oh my goodness. The media just, it was way overdone. Um, We had a couple banks, you know, honestly, if you think back um, and you say, well, so how come Silicon Valley Bank uh, failed? And you know, what was the, what was the problem behind there? Honestly, their problem was they bought treasury bonds. Now, treasury bonds- That's was guaranteed by the full faith and credit of the US government? Exactly. So it's not as if they were taking a huge amount of risk. What they did take risk in is they bought long dated treasury bonds. When interest rates went up, the face value of those bonds went down, meaning that if you tried to sell them, they weren't worth quite as much. If you held them for the 30 years, a long term, however long it was, you got your money back. So in reality, it's not the face value that went down because the face value actually says what the bond is worth. That is true. It's what the current day market value was that day, simply because if you could buy a higher paying bond, let's say today, than the bond you bought a few months ago, and you wanted to sell the bond you bought a few months ago, who would pay you full value nobody, for that bond? And nobody wants that, right. right? But if you held on to the bond to maturity, you will get your face value of what's basically written on the bond. Right. So in reality, yes, they should have managed the risk of buying long-term bonds better than they did. Absolutely. Sil- Silicon Valley Bank, that is. 
they didn't manage that well. On the other hand, they were not taking undue risk. So there was not, you know, and, and all banks were not doing this. So there was not an incentive to really say, oh my God, I, you know, the banks aren't safe. There's going to be a crisis. All these banks are going to go under. That really was not the case. No, now, now the Treasury did step in and provide a backstop for people to feel Correct. comfortable that the money was going to be there. But at the end of the day, the Treasury wasn't going to be the end-all solution. No. And I think it was First Citizens Bank that stepped up and said, we will buy all of the assets of Silicon Valley Bank. Everybody was made whole, which is what happens, or I, say, I can't say all the time, but what has happened quite frequently in most cases when banks have found that they've had a challenge, a larger bank steps up and buys the assets of the bank. That's right. Correct. So most of the relationships will exist as is. There were some larger clients that uh, and businesses really that had a lot of cash there that had taken their money out. So of course those have already moved to another bank. But for the most part, um, Silicon Valley Bank will now continue as they always were and the clients of the bank um, will just be with a new company. Yeah, it is just so frustrating to me to watch how People react to headlines, and now when we ref when we use the word media, you know the media overblew this thing. I used to think of the media as channels four, five, and seven: ABC, NBC, CBS. Well, that's all we had, right? But the Boston <laughs> Globe, you'd get your weekly paper, right? Uh, your daily paper, and maybe you'd get the Salem News in the afternoon. But now, when we talk about the media, we're not even thinking about ABC, NBC, and CBS. We're thinking about all the cable channels that feed you with a news feed every minute, every hour, every second, not to mention all the B and C and D level tiered news feeds that become even more sensationalized and listened to by the general public and and continue to be like the telephone game. They continue to exaggerate and exaggerate and exaggerate where everything gets so overblown. Absolutely, but you know also, when we look at what happened in the instance of Silicon Valley Bank, this actually was all over um, social media. So there were all these Twitter accounts that were promoting that Silicon Valley Bank, you know, get your money out. They were going under. Because no one understood it. That's exactly right. And so people started a run on the bank. And the other part of it is the reason this happened so quickly is that you know, back in the day, in 2008, with the last run on banks, we didn't have, uh, or we did have electronic banking, but not like we do today, no. where you can move your money out no matter what. You had to wait for the bank to open the next morning to get your money. So, very yeah, the, different scenario. The world has definitely changed. Um, what I thought was the most fascinating thing that I read is, for the longest time, you know, we've been talking about buy local, buy local, Saturday, you know, they, they have what, the small business Saturday or whatever the days are yes. to do buy local, stay local so you can have face-to-face -face interactions with the people that work there and all of that. But all of a sudden, what happened when Silicon Valley's issue pumped up? Almost, what was it, $5 trillion was yanked out of small and mid-sized banks. The local ones, The right? local ones. <laughs> and where do people put them? They put them in the big banks. The, yeah. Those faceless Right. You know, non-friendly right. banks, they threw it there. Why? Because you could trust that bank? Well, you know what? I think they figured those big banks were too big to fail. You know, that's been always the motto in the banking industry, too big to fail. So 
never sure, you know what, is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? Who knows um, whether you're moving your money to the larger banks or not, whether that's good or bad. In any event, the big banks profited from this, benefited from this, um, and it's likely there will be more bank consolidation going sure. forward. There's going to be lots of consolidation. You know, there's yeah. we, we can sit here and try to battle about how big businesses are taking away from small businesses. Look, look at what Home Depot did. You know, when they first showed up here about 20 years ago, so closing the small mom and pop hardware stores. Sure. And there is some pluses and minuses to what Home Depot has done and and, and the value of small businesses. Look, right. we're a small business. We yes. got acquired. We got acquired. And why? Why did we choose to get acquired? Why does a Home Depot, why does a small hardware store go out of business or get acquired by a larger entity? Because there is something valuable in efficiency. And, and the resources that a larger company can provide is sometimes invaluable to a small business. It, it really is. I mean, they, you can only do so many things as a small business. They expect a small business to act like a big business with a personalized attention. And the more demands you put on a smaller business, the, the, the harder and harder it is to deliver on all of those promises. So you have to find a, a strategy that says, what is it that we do best? And from the big bank standpoint, Bank of America, J.P. Morgan Chase, you know what they do best? They sell confidence. And, you know, they cater to those big business clients that don't need personalized service That's necessarily. Right. If you were to walk into a Bank of America or a Chase or whatever and say, you know what, I'm a 75, I've got 75000 or $175,000 in my bank account and I need a better interest and if not, I'm pulling my money. They say goodbye. They, see they you could later. care less. There's no emotion <laughs> attached to that. This is exactly. a business strategy. But you go to your local credit union and you say, you know, I, I heard up the street, you know, some credit union is offering me three percent on a money market fund, and you're only offering me two point seven five percent. They might say, let me see what I can do. Right. Same thing with mortgages. I mean, we tell a lot of our clients if they're self-employed or if they have anything unusual in their work history, sometimes they're better off going with a smaller bank who actually can make the loan directly from that bank and is not worried about crossing all the T's and dotting every I because they have to take all those mortgages, package them up, and sell them as a bond or sell them to somebody bigger. They keep them in-house and they service them. So smaller banks do provide the service um, and individualized service. And just like us with a small company, we provide individualized service. We have the time to speak to every client and create a financial plan that is individualized for them. Whereas a large company doesn't necessarily they want to that. scale everything. The That's term scale right. is out there. That's How right. How can we do this efficiently with giving the appearance that we're offering friendly, personalized service, but in a sense, just fake them out with colorful graphs and charts <laughs> and, um, exactly. and a nice, nice leatherette binder. Yeah. And one portfolio fits all. That's right. You know, it, it's finding the balance. I mean, the thing is, is when, when times get tough, people feel like I need to be with the company that I know is going to be around for a long time. Right. And when small business entities or mid-sized business entities that are great businesses, they're the backbone of this country. But when there's this sense that's created from the media that says, ooh, there could be some, um, some cracks in the, in the foundation here, some people say, I'm not willing to stick around to find out. 
even though many of those cracks in the foundation can be very misleading and significantly overblown. Absolutely. But speaking of overblown, um, you know, with tax season coming up in a week or two, um, one of the things that I think gets overblown is this conversation around refunds versus payments in April. Yes, I know. I know nobody likes to make a payment when they get their ta- when they get a tax bill and they owe money in April. So can you just help our listeners understand why someone generally owes taxes or gets a refund in April? Sure. So if you owe taxes in April, it means that over the co- well, again, we'll right now we're looking at the year 2022. So in over the course of the year 2022, you did not have enough either withheld from your paycheck, withheld from IRA distributions, or paid in to the IRS and the Mass- state of Massachusetts through estimated quarterly payments. Um, and if you have not paid in enough, at, because when it comes time for tax returns to go in, you know, let's say you paid into the system and had withheld from your paycheck $10,000, but your tax bill is $11,000, you have to pay in an extra $1,000. And you could have avoided having to pay that money. By withholding more, paying more quarterly. Right, there's a lot of ways around it. So what you need to understand is when it comes tax time, when you go to H&R Block, when you do it yourself, when you use your CPA or whomever you choose to have do your taxes, when they tell you you owe taxes or you're receiving a refund, it's all a check and balance system. Either you paid in too much or you didn't pay in enough. And in 2021, there were a lot of people that were very surprised by their tax bill. They were surprised by their tax bill because the stock market had done quite well that year. And many people had extra what are called capital gain distributions or capital gains and a lot of different things that right. normally they wouldn't have had taxes paid on it yet until it was time to pay the to pay the piper when it was time for taxes to be filed. Well, this year, many individuals were told by the accountants, well, you need to make estimated tax payments this year because they went on the assumption that your tax liability would be very similar to what it was in 2021. And many people are finding because 2022 was not a great year in the stock market and capital gains and distributions weren't as great, you might be getting a big refund or a refund, big, small. You can decide what big means or small refund, a refund back. So how do you plan for the next year? That It's very difficult, quite honestly, because although last year was not a great year in the stock market, there were still some capital gain distributions. There were people that had have owned mutual funds or owned a stock for 10 years, say, and over that time period, you've made a lot of money, even though maybe last year it went down a little bit in value, you still made a lot of money from what you originally put in. So when you sell it, there is still capital gain to pay on that, uh, a tax to pay on that capital gain. Absolutely. So it's hard to it's hard to know, but you can estimate from what the what the prior year is it's not a bad estimate my the the reason i asked the question is that many accountants because this is a very very busy time for them yes they get the taxes done and the computer just spits out what they think your estimated tax payment will be for the upcoming year based upon what happened last year that's true and you would hope that someone would have the foresight to take a look at your tax return and say well based upon this based upon last year based upon the year before based upon your income changes in status etc 
What might be the best way to position your tax withholdings? What might be the best way to handle estimated taxes if that's what you need to do? Well, that's why we take great pride in our tax planning software here that we offer up to all of our clients um, who work with us. It's called Holista Plan is the name of the software that we use where we enter in your tax return. We can take a look at where's the best place to pull money out of your investment accounts, whatever, to provide you with the income that you need. What is the proper tax withholding to have done on your pay stub, on your IRA distributions? If you're starting Social Security, chances are you're probably not having taxes withheld because that's not the default to have taxes withheld. Should you? All of those are questions that we address when we're meeting with our clients at Friedman Financial. That's what we call financial advice in a language you can understand. Um, little bits of information for you this week. We're back each and every week with more financial advice in a language you can understand. This week we talked about um, the, the whether you have, with the the rules and the guide guide guideposts around the implications of getting a refund from your tax return or having to pay taxes. We also talked about you know this banking situation and how the media can overblow what's Let's really happening out there. We want to provide you fair, rational and optimistic advice because we are optimists here. There, you know, sure, there's always gonna be challenges in front of us, but over the long time, are you optimistic about the future, Marion? I absolutely am optimistic. Yeah, we are too. Very optimistic. We are too, and, and I hope you are. And if now is the time for you to get serious about your financial planning and investment management needs, I hope you'll give our office a call, 978-531-8108. That's 978-531-8108. Or if you'd like to get our free weekly newsletter, go to our website, freedmanfinancial.com. That's Friedman. Two E's and a D. Financial.com. That's going to do it for us today. Marion, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks for, you know, being around. Well, we love having you here. And we'll be back again next week with more dollars and cents with financial advice in a language you can understand. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you for listening to Dollars and Cents with Friedman Financial. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations. Please consult a certified financial planning planner, tax professional, or attorney prior to investing to determine what is appropriate for you. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA and SIPC.